0: This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio.
1: Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. The Wisconsin Supreme Court will hear oral arguments tomorrow, Tuesday, November 21st, in a case that has the potential to upend the entire state legislature. Interested parties will be weighing in on whether the state's current legislative map is constitutional and if not, what should be done about it. We are talking today on Newsmakers with a few experts on this issue. Craig Gilbert, who is a former national political reporter with the State, I'm sorry, with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel with Marquette University as well. And also John Johnson, who is a redistricting expert with Marquette University Law School. Welcome to both of you.
2: Great to be with you. Thanks for having
1: me. of course, I've been looking at your articles, your analysis on this issue. I have to ask what makes one passionate about legislative redistricting, John?
0: <laughs> you know, it's a, it's an interesting intersection of so many different things, geography, political motives, uh, just, just the sort of technical problems of drawing maps that make sense. Um, so, and it, it's so consequential, we live with the
2: decisions we make now for another 10 years.
1: Greg, is there some history to why this is an issue you've been tapping into?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of a window into the political landscape in Wisconsin, the political map. Um, You can see over the course of these debates over redistricting, how shifts in the political map have impacted that debate. But it also, in the end, just sort of gets to kind of these issues not necessarily legal issues, but also just political issues of fairness and and democracy and, you know, what do we look for in our electoral system in terms of competitiveness and responsiveness. And so those are big, meaty and, as John said, really consequential issues.
1: So uh, legislative maps constitutionally required to be redrawn every 10 years following a census. I think our viewers might be thinking, weren't, weren't we just here? Didn't the court just uh, impose maps in spring of 2022? Craig, why are we back here arguing about this map now?
2: Yeah, so that the legislative maps were settled in a way that made Republicans very happy and made Democrats very unhappy. So they've been looking you know for an opportunity to revisit this issue and with the election of a fourth liberal justice uh, this past april giving you know creating um shifting the court from a four to three conservative majority to a four to three liberal majority um i think they are looking at that as an opportunity to revisit this issue and get a different outcome
1: so the, the original lawsuit brought by Law Forward on August 2nd had five counts in it. Uh, it claimed that the maps violated the state constitution in various ways, including the Constitution's Equal Protection Guarantee, the Free Speech and Association Guarantee, and the Free Government Guarantee. They also claimed the maps violated a contiguity requirement and the separation of powers document. You see those five counts on your screen. Uh, John, if you could sum up what this lawsuit is alleging, how would you explain it to someone?
0: Well, it it made a set of, I think it would be fair to say ambitious arguments that partisan gerrymandering violated these parts of the constitution you just named. And then it made a pretty narrow technical argument about the definition of contiguity. Um, The Supreme Court has already said that they're not going to consider the most sort of ambitious arguments Um, But they are considering this contiguity issue, which would give the justices a way to throw out the current map actually without making any reference to partisan advantage. It's It's a much more narrow kind of argument.
1: Craig, do you have any thoughts on why the court threw out those other three counts around equal protection, free speech, free government? Do we know why?
2: Well, I think what the court said in its order was that, I mean, as John correctly observed, these are three kind of really big sweeping claims about uh, the constitutionality of an extreme partisan gerrymander. In many ways, they really go to the heart of the debates we've been having nationally and in the state about about redistricting. Um, The court set those aside and said, like John said, we're going to look at these two more you know narrow questions and doing that it said that um, the first three questions about partisan gerrymandering would require a lot more fact finding and the court seemed to be saying um, we're going to take up these other two issues certainly take them up first and uh, then we're going to deal with some of these other questions if we end up You know throwing out these maps on narrower grounds uh they're still going to have to consider the question of you know what criteria to use in drawing new maps and those questions do get uh pretty big and pretty fundamental when it comes to you know what is a fair map what is a legal map and what the court should and shouldn't consider in making those decisions
1: craig you have been doing a lot of writing around this issue of gerrymandering and, you know, basically a map that artificially is alleged to artificially favor a particular party. Is a gerrymandered map automatically unconstitutional? What is that definition of gerrymandering here? Yes, yeah, so we really have to kind
2: of separate the political questions from the legal questions, and there's been a lot of debate about both. But for example, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled You know, from a federal perspective, uh, that they're not going to look at at um, partisanship and partisan gerrymandering as a basis for intervening in a a legal fight um, over districts. Um, They've kind of taken that out and said that's not for us to consider. Um, We have the similar questions and debates at the state level across the states, depending on the state constitution and how it's being um, interpreted. But politically, you know, these questions are very live and they're really and they're they're big and they're important. And so where it gets complicated is, you know, we have these running debates and there's a Democratic point of view and and a Republican point of view about this about whether it's appropriate once you have a political map and a partisan map, whether it's appropriate for judges to come in and say, um, what you did is too partisan, it's too extreme, uh, and there's a legal basis you know, for rejecting that, or just saying, you know, if they have to draw new maps, this, these are the kind of maps we need to draw.
1: John, do we know what criteria the court will be using uh, in this process and looking to in constituting a, a fair map?
0: Well, there's a little bit of a criteria in the Constitution. You know, the Constitution says that you should be compact, contiguous, doesn't say exactly what that means, and that you should try to keep municipal borders together when you can. Um, So those are sort of goals uh, that you might have. This ruling might come up with a tighter definition of contiguity. Um, But beyond that, I think the court can choose how to implement that criteria. And it's really the implementation of the criteria where the where the decisions that affect the balance of power in the state are gonna come from.
1: Craig, how do you anticipate that this discussion will be different than how the court handled that discussion in spring of 2022? Uh, they used a least changes approach then. What do we think will be different this time around?
2: Well, um... The people challenging the maps are hoping, are really challenging that ruling. Um, and they want the court to kind of reject the least change approach, which is controversial and hotly debated, and consider a new, um, again, if they reject these maps. In fact, the court has asked the parties to the lawsuit to advise the court about what criteria it should be using And, and beyond the ones that John mentioned, we're seeing the parties to the lawsuit make different arguments about, you know, whether the court, you know, beyond just the letter of, you know, beyond contiguity, beyond compactness, whether the court should consider the politics and the political makeup of these districts. And so you have even different arguments made even among the Democratic parties to the lawsuit about how far the court should go. With Just to give you one example, some people would argue that if it's Wisconsin is a 50-50 state, so the legislative map should be 50-50. So they should consider what people call proportionality, and that should be a guide. Other people might just say, no, just take politics out of it and, you know, draw a neutral map that doesn't try to, you know, achieve either a Republican or a Democratic goal.
1: Uh, John, you mentioned that the state constitution references this uh, term contiguity or contiguous when outlining the process for election of legislators, let's look at that, the members of the assembly shall be chosen biennially by single districts on the Tuesday, succeeding the first Monday of November in even numbered years by the qualified electors of the of the several districts, such districts to be bounded by county, precinct, town, or ward lines to consist of contiguous territory and to be in as compact form as practicable. Uh, so, what does contiguous mean when it comes to map drawing, John? Uh, do we do we know how the court will be looking at that term?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means all the parts touch each other. It's not complicated. But uh, in the early '90s, uh, there was a, a, a federal court case actually, um, and there were one one set of uh, one side of the trial said, well, we've got these municipalities that are discontiguous and we wanna keep the municipalities together. Um, And in fact, the constitution says that we should try to keep municipal boundaries together when we can. So uh, they proposed a map that kept municipalities in a single district, even when the municipality was composed of pieces that didn't all touch each other. And the judges in that case said that was okay. They said that literal uh, contiguity was not the requirement here. Um, and the plaintiffs in this case, uh, the petitioners, I should say, are arguing that that case was wrongly decided and, in fact, um, contiguity should be interpreted literally. Um, The other side in this case is saying, well, uh, there are multiple goals that this part of the Constitution is calling for and it's okay to balance them in a reasonable way.
1: The petitioners in the lawsuit say that 55 Assembly Districts and 21 Senate Districts are non-contiguous, according to their definition. Here's one example we want to show. It includes Assembly District 47. That's in the Madison area. We're showing an image that's taken from the complaint that shows Madison area Assembly Districts. Assembly District 47 is in red in this image. You can see various small island areas and disconnected pieces, which can be several miles from each other, and they are surrounded entirely by another assembly district. John, you've done a lot of analysis on this issue of uh, contiguity in assembly districts. What can you tell us about the 47th assembly district? Is is it drawn in an unusual way?
0: It's an artifact of the weird municipal boundaries there, which, which is itself a consequence of the city of Madison and some other municipalities' annexations of surrounding areas as they've grown. In Wisconsin, municipal annexations are happening constantly. Every month, pieces of land are being annexed by another municipality. And so it can lead to these strange islands that are left behind. Um, And uh, right now, those islands are reflected in the boundaries of the districts that are drawn, or at least the islands that existed at the time the districts were drawn. Um, And so that's what you're seeing here. It's not done to advantage any party. uh, Republicans or Democrats are not getting more voters as a result. This isn't some extreme form of partisan motivated gerrymandering. It's just a way of accommodating our messy, messy municipal boundaries in Wisconsin.
1: Craig, the 47th is an example of a district where there's a high concentration of Democrat voters. Uh, There are other districts that have high partisan concentrations. How hard is it for a candidate to win in a district that's kind of drawn around with a partisan intent?
2: So it's a lot harder than it used to be. And one reason for that is that people's voting behavior has changed. I mean, people are much more sort of party line in their voting. People used to split their tickets and they might vote Democratic for president and Republican for legislature or vice versa. That's, that's a rarer thing today. So in effect, you know, knowing the partisan makeup of a district is a lot more predictable of how that district is going to vote up and down the ballot than it used to be. So in a way, it gives the map more power, um, to determine the outcome. Because if you have in the old days, let's say a district might have to be 60 40 to guarantee, you know, to, you know, to guarantee the election of, you know, the member of the majority party in that district. Now it may only need to be 53 47 to guarantee uh the election of someone from the majority party so this is one of the reasons why you know a tilted map has such power
1: john is the 47th or that madison area an example of an area that could change dramatically in a redraw of the map are there other areas that you would say if if this court would throw out the map we can expect to see some big changes
0: i wouldn't expect Well, let me say, if if the court draws a new map, I think it's most likely that they would just draw 99 new districts, possibly leaving the districts that are subject to the Voting Rights Act requirements in the Milwaukee area unchanged, but otherwise I expect it'll be a wholesale redrawing, not just tweaking around the edges. But that Madison area is very democratic and it's going to remain very democratic pretty much under any kind of districts you draw, as long as you're respecting compactness and municipal boundaries. The places where you might see Um, The representation of a community change between the two parties would be around Sheboygan, for example, where the city is right now split between two districts that allows them to both be safe Republican. A district that keeps Sheboygan intact will be more competitive. Also in northwestern Wisconsin, around Duluth, Superior, um, over into uh, Ashland and Bayfield. Those districts used to be Democratic. They were redrawn in such a way that they became Republican most recently. I think uh, in a redraw, they would be more competitive. And then we see places in the Milwaukee suburbs, uh, down in Kenosha, Racine, those areas where where uh, there would be a chance for some pretty big changes
1: we mentioned at the top of the show, the other big question the court will be deciding is on this claim of a violation of separation of powers. The petitioners say that the map currently in place is the exact same map that Governor Evers vetoed in November of 2021. Craig, how do you expect the petitioners will be making the case uh, that this is a violation of separation of powers?
2: Yeah, I mean, what they're arguing is that by essentially adopting the map that the governor vetoed. They're kind of nullified the governor's veto. And they kind of acted like a legislative supermajority in overriding his veto in effect. So they're basically arguing that the the court overstepped its sort of judicial role and behaved more like an elected branch. Um, and of course, Republicans are making the argument that no, uh, the court was perfectly within its role here to adjudicate this and ended up choosing you know for its reasons choosing the map it shows in this case um what's interesting about this is that you know these arguments about the role of the court vis-a-vis the um the political branch is kind of run through uh this litigation and in some cases you've got democrats arguing that the court is Overstepping or potentially overstepping its judicial role. In other cases, you've got Republicans making that argument when they say that it would be overstepping the court's role to consider the partisan makeup of these districts if they end up revisiting the map.
1: Uh, John, if the court does step in and redraw the map, is there a similar sort of violation of separation of powers argument?
0: I think the... The argument the petitioners are making is that the court it would is required to come up with a new map or some kind of synthesis of the of the deadlock in the in in the political branches, which I guess means that they would, by that logic, be opposed to the court simply choosing the map that Evers himself uh, suggested.
1: So, uh, Craig, if the court finds there are constitutional flaws in the current map, uh, what are the ways that they might go about fixing it? Do we know about that?
2: Well, they can, you know, draw their own map. They can choose from submissions uh, of maps. But again, this gets sort of back to this key question and why the court asked the parties to the litigation, you know, what criteria should we be using? And this is going to be really important. I mean, there's a fundamental question there about whether the court should be considering, you know, politics or not. I mean, the Republican argument is that it was permissible for the legislature uh, to draw a very political map with huge partisan implications and, and partisan advantage, but it's not permissible for the court to consider partisanship in drawing a new map. In other words, it's not cons- it's not permissible to have a, an explicit goal of a new map be to undo the partisan, you know, tilt of the current map. And so, I mean, the court is going to have to make a decision about, um, you know, A, whether to consider the makeup of these districts and B, if they do consider the makeup of the districts, how far to go, go in terms of what they think would be a neutral map or not is it a neutral map, a 50-50 map in 50-50 Wisconsin, or is it a neutral map, one that just pays no attention to politics and follows the geography of the state? which might result in, still result in a Republican-leaning map, although with a smaller Republican advantage because of the fact that Democrats tend to be more concentrated in urban areas and their voting power is more geographically confined as a result, that is also a source of Republican advantage in the current maps.
1: John, as far as that question of contiguity goes, the challengers had proposed that those island areas that we saw on that other image should just be folded into the district that is surrounding them. Does that fix the the alleged bias in the map that the petitioners are talking about?
0: Well, it, it would narrowly solve the contiguity question. Uh, you know, if By by removing those islands, although I think there would be real concerns around uh, imbalancing the population between the districts, because that, that's a very strong goal. It's the whole point of redistricting is to make sure the populations are equal. And quite a few of these disconnected islands do have people living in them. And in some cases, not a trivial number either. It's in the thousands.
1: Uh, Craig, if the court orders the map to be redrawn, will it absolutely require all 132 legislators to be up for re-election in November 2024? Yeah, so that's another
2: issue for the court to decide. The people challenging the maps are asking the court uh, to throw out the maps, draw new maps in time for the 2024 elections, and also force uh, the state senators who got elected in 2022 to four-year terms to stand again for election after two years in the new districts, so that every seat in the Senate as well as the Assembly would be on the ballot. Uh, Republicans argue that this is, um, uh, you know, unconstitutional, and it's basically asking, you know, it's it's basically, you know, violating the will of the voters who elected these senators to four-year terms by cutting those terms short. But these are among the really big and weighty issues um, before the court that are going to affect, you know, everything about the 2024 and potentially 2026 elections.
1: Don, there is a proposal moving through the legislature, Republican proposal that would impose nonpartisan redistricting uh, based upon Iowa's method. Would that proposal fix alleged problems with the the maps in Wisconsin?
0: I think there's potential, the criteria for redistricting that that bill outlays would result in maps drawn in a neutral way without regard for partisan advantage, which would pretty dramatically change the character of the map, leaving in place, I think, a much smaller Republican advantage based on the political geography issues that Craig was just talking about. The procedural mechanisms in that bill, in my opinion, are, are leave something to be desired. It's not clear. What happens if there's deadlock in the political system, which is what we have right now? I don't see why you would pass a bill that is silent on the exact issues that brought us to the place where we are right now. Um, and so, I think the the criteria is pretty good in that bill from a from a nonpartisan redistricting perspective, um, but it leaves a lot of these questions about what happens when the parties are deadlocked still in place.
1: Craig, you mentioned the potential for all 132 to be on the ballot again in the fall of 2024. What happens if some of those spring election deadlines aren't met? Do we really think this lawsuit will move in order for that those timelines to be met? Yeah, it
2: does seem challenging. I mean, well, one thing the court is doing here, and we talked earlier about how they um, are taking up just two of the five issues that were before them that were put before them um, by the by the people challenging the current maps and that. Seem to signal an effort to try to move expeditiously on this because the court noted that these other three claims about whether extreme gerrymandering is constitutional or not were going to be more time consuming. So I guess there's a scenario under which the court tries to move quickly. And, um, and if it does, if we do get a, you know, if they do end up tossing out the maps and do rule pretty quickly, That still kind of leaves open the question of how ambitious they want to be in terms of the schedule. And also, obviously, it leaves open the question that they'll have to rule on about what to do with the state senators who were elected in 2022 to four year terms.
1: John, what happens after tomorrow's oral arguments? Do we have a sense for how this will proceed?
0: I don't know how long it will take. Uh, you know, I've asked a variety of people and I, I, I think it's a big question mark. I do wanna say that the last redistricting cycle just a couple of years ago was also done in a very expedited way because of the pandemic delaying the release of census data. Uh, and it was quite difficult for the local administrators who are actually responsible for coming up with the ward boundaries that work and make sure that they're printing ballots that have the right races for every individual voter. But they did it. Um, so we both know that it's hard and also that it can be done um, because everybody did it just just two years ago.
1: Craig, uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss has said he will likely move to impeach Justice Janet Protasiewicz, depending on how she rules in this case, uh, going back to things that she said during her campaign. Does that potential impeachment process could could that affect the timeline here as well?
2: Sure. I mean, it's another it's a, you know, it is a, another huge X factor here. I mean, I'd be a little surprised. I mean, the the speaker, the assembly speaker has sent out a lot of mixed signals about whether Republicans plan to try to impeach the justice. Um, they've kind of backed off and then they've taken it off the table and then put it back on the table. Um, it seems logically or even politically like the time to do it would be before the court rules. Because then you're saying, you know, you're saying, look, you know, this is a recusal issue. But once you wait until the court rules, then you're basically saying, we're not happy with the ruling. And so we're going to impeach. So I would be a little, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I'd be somewhat surprised if they did go ahead with impeachment based on this timing. If they did, it just sets off a chain of events, obviously political reactions, will be, you know, momentous, but also, you know, it it gives, you know, the governor the option and the justice the option of, you know, stepping down of the governor, you know, appointing a new appointee um, from the same, you know, political camp. And so then you have to ask, you know, what is being accomplished? Uh, what political goal is being accomplished by Republicans by doing that?
1: I'd like to ask you both, as we round out our time here, what what are the main implications for Wisconsin in this case? what's what's really at stake? I'll start with you, John.
0: Competitive elections um, if the maps are redrawn to be neutral using either criteria, either attempting to match the fifty fifty balance of the state or simply drawing districts. without regard for partisan advantage, either either case will result in a set of state legislative maps where, control of the state legislature between Democrats and Republicans is genuinely at stake in
2: each election.
1: Greg, how would you answer that? Yeah,
2: so I would agree. I mean, obviously, the partisan breakdown of the legislature uh, is at stake, but also the responsiveness of our, of our election system to political shifts and swings depends on having know a certain number of competitive districts uh whether they're republican leaning or democratic leaning but districts that are capable of swinging from one party to another as we get political shifts from one election to another we don't get the same big political swings we used to get and people don't split their tickets as much as they used to there are fewer competitive communities in wisconsin because of the way people have sorted politically but there's still a big range between having a map that basically minimizes the number of competitive seats and minimizes the play in our legislative elections and a map that tries to achieve some level of responsiveness, some level of play and some level of competition.
1: Well, thank you both for sharing your expertise today. We know we will be watching and we have a better understanding of what might happen. Thank you. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us.
0: You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye, policy made public.